Dude's freaking swimming in acid. Is Captain Winky okay? <laughs> Still hanging low, buddies. Yeah. Then I'm okay. Raises. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the What's Our Verdict TV podcast, where we fashion ourselves television, Judge and Jerry. My name is JJ Crowder. I'm here with my co-host, Casey Ridge. Sorry for the swears. And Alec Burgess. Let's get it. Do you ever find yourself wondering if you should take the time to set your TiVo to record a show each week or invest hours into binging that show that all of your friends are telling you to watch? Well, we're here to help out with that question. We put TV shows on trial, discuss the facts, pass judgment, and let you know our verdict. We appreciate your help growing the podcast. Go ahead and hit that follow or subscribe button. Tell a friend about us. Check out our website, whatsourverdict.com, where you can see all of our last episodes, as well as pick up some other exclusive content, some updates, merchandise, all that fun stuff. Also, don't forget, during the month of April, go to podchaser.com and leave us a review. They are currently running their Reviews for Good campaign. What that means is for every review, they'll donate 25 cents to the World Central Kitchen's hashtag Chefs for Ukraine. They'll double it if we reply to the review, which we will. We're up to, I think... Five or six at four. Yeah, I mean, we're up quite a few. Like, I get dinged every morning with like a new email. Madison's gonna be wearing a dress. <laughs> yeah. So we have all the month of April a competition going. If we get thirty individual reviews, Matt's will wear a dress during our next spoiler-free review on YouTube. And then if we get to sixty individual reviews, Alec will have to be live stream watching the worst-rated movie we've ever watched. She dies tomorrow so that we can see those live reactions. And then finally, if we get to a hundred, and Casey hasn't heard this before, I don't think, we get to a hundred individual reviews, I will be live streaming the shaving of the beard. <laughs> no. It's, it's, yes. it's happened. No, no it's committed. Yes. Right? Yeah. I would rather them see you shave your balls. <laughs> <laughs> Probably shouldn't say that out loud because now you're just committing more people to review. 150 yeah. JJ saves his balls live stream instead of the, yeah, please do me the favor instead of his beard. You don't want to see him like that. Yeah, that's true. He you looks don't. like he's 12 and he's going to get carded when he goes to a pub. Yeah, that's true. I do. I look like a fat 12 year old. Nice. Actually, I just look like I did when I was 12 years old because I was fat then. So <laughs> yeah, so there it is. Go leave us a review. We will reply when we reply they will double the donation. And so, yeah, do that for us. All right, let's jump in. Today, we're reviewing The Legend of Vox Machina, the Amazon original. It stars Matthew Mercer, Laura Bailey, Ashley Johnson, Travis Willingham, Liam O'Brien, Sam Regal, Marisha Ray, and a whole slew of other fucking famous people. I mean, it's, it's a smorgasbord of people that you have heard of, watched in TV shows and movies. It's batshit, the cool people that they were able to get for sometimes one or two five-minute performances, so crazy shit. I'm sure we'll talk about at least a few as the characters come up during the review, but yeah, it's crazy. So this series, in a desperate attempt to pay off a mounting bar tab, a band of misfits end up on a quest to save the realm of Exandria from dark magical forces. I love that that's like the tagline <laughs> in like on uh, what you call it, because that's for- that's not what happens. Well, you know, and like- that is completely an intro for people that have no idea where this show comes from because it's really interesting. And so we'll jump into this. Let's first of all, hold on, let me pause. Spoilers are to follow. So if you haven't seen this, please pause the podcast, go watch this series. It's 12 short, 20, 30 minute episodes. Well worth your time. 
because we are going to talk major spoilers for the next however long we're chatting about the legend of Vox Machina. So if you've already seen it, hang out with us. Let's chit chat about it. Yeah. It's funny that that's all that's there for the intro on IMDb. Cause I was like, that is such a, a misleading intro. intro. And, and the start of this show jumps in at a point where not only of these, this group of people that this is all based on a live real time game of Dungeons and Dragons with a bunch of voice actors that are friends and, it all happened in a, just the weirdest way. It was a birthday party for a buddy that hadn't played Dungeons and Dragons forever. And Matt Mercer's like the king of all DMs. And so he was like, yeah, I'll run one for your birthday. So it's supposed to be a one-time thing. And it turned into this fucking worldwide phenomenon. It's crazy. But they were, by the time the major story that happens, like the, the white stone arc that you get into in, at the end of episode two, it's the middle, like early middle of their gaming campaign. Like, so you're not even getting the beginning because the first part of the story arc was kind of weird and a little bit boring. It wasn't as cool. Like the white stone arc, in my opinion, is the best arc of the first campaign that they did. But Can I pause you? Of course. For all of the people out there that are unfortunate enough to not know anything about Dungeons and Dragons, <laughs> you've used a lot of like D&D terms. Fair enough maybe like one, what is a DM Two, arc? Maybe a definition would be a little bit helpful. DM direct message. You're welcome. <laughs> yes. Dick massage. Fair enough. <laughs> so you may hear my nerdy ass throughout this recording. Talk about DM GM. Uh, those are interchangeable terms. Game master, dungeon master, there's a number of different terms that it could be, but that's the person that when you're playing actual Dungeons and Dragons is like the guy that tells the story basically, and then lets the characters or the players continue that story. Like he sets the stage and then they go. So that's what that is. And arc is, I mean, that's true for any story, especially TV shows. You get a story arc. That's, that's a story arc. That's from one beginning of the story to the end. That's an arc. So the story arc that we will be talking about then, then that this 12 episode shows is what's called the, the white stone arc. And it's in my opinion, the best story arc. So I was glad they started there. The Briarwoods are crazy. No mercy. Percy is what they call Percival eventually throughout the game. Cause the guy's just brutal. Anyway, we're getting ahead of ourselves. The one thing I didn't. So when this started, I've been looking forward to this for probably two years because that's how long they've been. I think it was 2019, late 2019, when they launched the Kickstarter. And it was supposed to be a two-episode intro to these characters, just animated. They just wanted to do it. And then everybody went nuts. And it garnered, they were shooting for $750,000 in donations. They got $11 million. Um, so well, And can we, like, back it up even further? So this is a group, of, like, because it's a group of friends... Their Kickstarter was literally, they launched it and they hit every single goal like that night. So this is a D&D campaign that they film and they have a show on YouTube. Their channel is for Critical Role. And every Thursday there's new episodes, right? So this is every Thursday. They have just had enough of an audience and built up enough of an audience to be able to support. They're on their third campaign, yeah. official with this group plus yep. a secondary like kind of spinoffy kind of thing. And they have some crazy ass actors that just go and join them for playing D and D. It is so freaking cool. 
the greatest nerdgasm to ever exist. Like, I'm not a nerd. I'm not a D&D nerd. I wasn't, right? I'm not a cartoons person. Like, there was one day I walked in and I saw JJ watching something and on the computer screen, it was like three boxes along the top with just these faces that were talking. And I'm like, what the fuck are you watching? Like, what what even is this? Little did I know, he got through it. And then at one point, I asked him, like, so how do you even play D&D? And he goes, let me show you. So he pulled it up. I watched it. (laughs) No shit. I fucking like, it is so funny. And these guys do such a good job. And it is such like better entertainment than anything else out there. I binged it. And we're talking, these are four hour, three to four hours, sometimes five hour episodes. And it goes from like a hundred episodes for the first campaign. The second campaign has what, like 160, something like that. There was nothing else on TV in my house for months that's how good this shit is so do yourself a favor go to youtube follow because it's even better yeah i just been texting jj and he sends me the good clips yeah (laughs) the good like 10 minute clips get in get out get it over with but no i've dug a little deeper and yeah these guys are like the cream of the crop yeah oh yeah Um, they also have it on a podcast if you don't want to watch it on youtube but you should watch it on youtube Mm -hmm. yeah it's better if you can watch it but i've started listening on my way to work, to and from work, because it's it's easy to do. It's I was looking at it, it and one campaign, just campaign two, is five hundred and thirty hours. Holy shit! There's a whole nother campaign that's even that's at least as much. How about that? And then they're in the midst of I think they're on episode eighteen or nineteen of that third campaign. So, I mean, there's thousands. I think there's like something close to twelve or 1,300 hours of YouTube or listening or watching. And it's and that's just the core campaigns. They also like sideshows. Like Casey was talking about, they just came out with eight-episode sideshow called Exandria Unlimited. Plus, they just finished two more episodes of Exandria Unlimited. So, there's 10 total of that. I mean, this is a – it's pretty crazy. And they they broke the record for Kickstarter's – most money in the shortest amount of time for an entertainment campaign. They raised 3.7 million in the first 24 hours. Oh boy. Yeah. Anyway, they'd gone around to all the different streamers. The streamers told them to get fucked. Right. So they said, screw it. We'll do it ourselves. They do this Kickstarter and all they were trying to do was build a pilot, like an episode or two pilot so that they could then turn around and try to sell it again to the streamers, well, they made $11.28 million. They made their pilot and every streamer on the planet was fucking begging them. Netflix wanted it. Amazon wanted it. There was like two other Hulu wanted it. So like all of these places wanted it. And Ham- Amazon got it because they said, we'll do the first season that you're funding and then we'll fund a second season. So there is already a second season that's guaranteed to happen, which is exciting. But we say all that because the first episode of this show, like I was like, uh oh, because it was weird. And I think because for you, Alec, I'm interested to hear what you have to say about this, because for me, it was weird because it had nothing to do with anything that happened in the game. So for me, I'm, I'm waiting for all of this game shit. Now, don't get me wrong. There's still the same characters, still the same shit. So all of the mannerisms, all the things they do, like Scanlan not being part of the fight, he's off in the freaking room screwing the bar owner's daughter, 
Marisha or sorry, uh, Keyleth getting sick on one beer and puking all over the fucking place. Like all of that shit is very typical of their characters, but there was nothing from Canon that that came from. And I was like, Oh boy, what the fuck is happening right now? Because it, for me, it, it felt just off because I was expecting to see things that I had seen and that I was, and I knew, and I was familiar in animation and here's this stuff that just felt very unfamiliar to me. So I was a little worried about what they were going to do after the, I think Casey and I both said, uh, this is weird by the end of the first episode, but for someone yeah, that never even heard of it, what did you think? It was awesome. <laughs> so like you had told me kind of the first episode is a little bit weird. And then about episode two is kind of where you get into their main kind of campaign. And so I was like, okay, right. Just watching it, waiting for the weird stuff to happen. And it, it never happened. <laughs> I was like, I was like, what, what did he mean? It was weird. That was awesome. And so actually on my first watch through, cause I've watched this like half a dozen times already. Mm. I actually missed some stuff from the first and second episode that popped up later because when you had said the first episode is kind of weird in my mind i took that to be the first episode is just not related to anything that's going to happen oh, like gotcha. it's the tail end of one campaign and then they're going to jump into another one it was scanlin's you know bag of goodies that he oh that he yeah, yeah, yeah so when that popped up later and we'll get into that i was like wait a minute what <laughs> where where's the connection but no it was awesome that bar fight though or the bar scene right at the beginning the only part was when Keila puked because <laughs> I worked in a indoor fun park where kids puke all the time. And while nobody's puked in my mouth, they've gotten close. Uh, and so when that happened, I was like, uh, uh. <laughs> Poor Alex PTSD is getting him. <laughs> that started to kick in, but. No, it was great. And it kind of really did a great job. I think of introducing this down on the luck party, which cannot seemed to function, but somehow always pulls, you know, something out of the, out of the woodwork. So yeah, I liked the first episode. I didn't think it was weird at all, but that comes from not having any background mm -hmm. in a critical role outside of JJ saying, Hey, you should check this out. Yeah. Well, and in the second episode, they jump into the, the dragon episode and God damn it. If I can remember this fucking dragon's name, I always forget Brimsythe. it. Brimsythe. Brimsythe. Yeah. I think you're right. I think it was Brimsythe. Because that was actually part of the campaign. So in season episode two, when they go after Brimsythe, like that was, and they get their little keep. And like, so all of that was where it started. And it was really interesting to see that play out. And it was really fun. And that sets up, and I'm not going to go there because you don't know anything about it. So I don't want to mess anything up for season two, but it leads you right into the end of oh, season Oh no, one. I'm going to fucking ruin go season on. two. Oh, God damn it. Yeah, I was going to say, but don't spoil. He doesn't know anything about it. Go watch fucking Critical Role. That's what I just told you. I am not watching 15,000 hours. No, you really should. You really should. If you think that, like. Isn't there a Spark Notes or no, a. No, and you do, And really, you don't want it. It doesn't feel like that, except for there's a couple episodes. So, so like, Keyleth getting drunk in a bar, that episode was like torture. And there's an episode later on where they're fighting a Kraken. Yeah, that, that was a little rough. I legit like hated her <laughs> at Which that point. Like isn't uncommon angry. for the first campaign when you're talking about the actual campaign, like a lot of people and unfortunately like it, nerds and their shitty internet banter, like they were pretty shitty to Marisha Ray, the actor. I mean, they were downright shitty and don't get me wrong. Like her character is annoying as fuck, which is one thing that I want to talk about with this show because they really redeemed 
Keyleth as a character because yep. Keyleth had, look, don't get me wrong. In throughout the campaign, Keyleth has some really remarkable moments, but she also can be like Casey's saying really fucking annoying. And it was kind of like, because these guys were all trying to get into their own flow. It was the first time I mean, they were just learning to play D and D and a lot of people struggled with her character. She made really weird choices throughout and did some dumb shit. And what they did with this show was really lean on the basis of this really awkward, really almost inept character. And throughout this whole story of Percy's history and regaining his city, she gets this arc of becoming very powerful because by the end of the first campaign, she's probably the most powerful then close to the second most powerful character in their group, just by nature of, of her magic and things like that. So I did like, I love actually what they did with Keyleth in this show for these 12 episodes, starting with her being really weird and awkward. And then they gave her these moments where, so like the whole Vax thing, when they're fighting all the zombies and Vax leans over and tells her that he loves her. And she freaks out like, what the fuck right now? Like that moment plays out very differently in the campaign. So I like that they changed that because it was this very, because it happened almost in the same fight in the campaign, only it went different. Like it ended different. Like he kissed her too, or some shit, I think in the campaign. <laughs> oh my God. And so, and then she kind of was just like, oh, weird. And then went off and fought. So I love that she like freaked out in this show. Like, are you serious right now? Fuck it's off. The worst timing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I just really, I appreciated the fact that they changed Keyleth to the point that they condensed all the great things that she did during the campaign. And then they really kind of muted the really uncomfortable. Sometimes it took a really long time to get through these awkward moments in the actual campaign. You're like, oh, Jesus, move it along already. We all know what you're trying to do. So... (laughs) So I do have a question mm-hmm. uh, based on kind of their party composition. Yeah. So I know enough about D&D that everybody has a character that kind of fills a role. Sure. And you could see that some that were very obvious, right? Grog's the two-handed tank type character. Yep. Scanlan's the bard who doesn't do shit. <laughs> who is Percy? Like what role does he fill or what kind of character archetype is he? Because uh, I, I couldn't figure him out. Yeah. And then how was their party stacked up as the D&D kind of expert, JJ? Did they have all their gaps kind of filled in or were they missing anything? No, it's a pretty balanced group. You mentioned Grog, the barbarian, the tank, Sila. He's a barbarian character. And then uh, Percy is a weird one. So he's two things. He's one, he's based off of a character type called an artificer which okay. they're kind of like tinkerers. They create things, they build things, which is the guns and things like that. But his character type, you can actually play now. They moved it into the D&D proper, so to speak, called a gunslinger, which uh, okay. he and Matt Mercer, the dungeon master, when they started their campaign and they were going this live streaming thing, they created, gunslinger wasn't a thing. They call it homebrew. It's when you create your own content that fits within the world. So they took all them, gave him stats and they based it off of a tinkerer, but then they gave it specialty stuff because he had guns. And so he had to have reload times and you had to have, they built in this thing where you see it in the show. Like he shoots one time and the gun kind of misfires. He -hmm. actually had to deal with that in real play. So he would roll. And if he rolled a certain number on his attack roll, it would misfire and he would lose an attack. So you get a certain number of attacks and, there's a little complex to go into too much detail, but 
he would get at certain levels three attacks, and then he would have to reload at certain times as well. So they had to create terms and dice rolls and things like that to make that fit to how it was. So his character was very unique. So Because you kind of end up with like support characters mm-hmm. where you'll see Pike is a support character, right? She does healing. She has some stuff that she attacks. She's a badass. Mm-hmm. She is a badass. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of interesting because Ashley, who plays Pike, she was filming Blindspot while they were going through the first campaign and actually the, I think the second as well. And so she was gone for a lot of it. So is that why she left? Mm -hmm. That's why she was an astral projection. So in the Ah, cartoon or in the game, she was an astral projection, but they used to have her, she would have to go and film for however long. And unless it was something really important or if she had like the day off from her schedule filming, she wasn't there. So they wouldn't have anybody play her. And so she would disappear for long spaces of time. So she went to go work in New York and left the game and was gone. And so it was cool to see them leave that there, but you do see like you have support characters and then you kind of have the damage doers, right? So you essentially have like a magic user in your face, combat person or a support person. I mean, that's kind of like how it breaks down a little bit. Mm hmm. One thing with, and I know we're getting technical into D&D. So one piece that you do is you have to roll dice to determine like ability scores. And then you apply those to certain things. The reason that Grog is stupid (laughs) is that Travis, when he rolled, rolled really low and he put it toward intelligence. And Travis is an extremely smart man. He runs their company now. So the critical role now that he's he's CEO. CEO, right? And he is phenomenal. And you'll, if you ever watch Critical Role versus the cartoon and you see it, you see Scanlan mention it where he's like, you're a lot smarter than we give you credit for. Grog is like the smartest dumb person that's out there. And you'll see Travis, like if you watch Critical Role, he struggles with how dumb Grog is. Like, I always thought that it was just the stereotype dumb barbarian. No, no, no. No, that that's was what he was playing for. That was yeah. sheer shitty rolling. So he was super stupid. And at one point, and it's JJ's favorite thing. And he, when it came on, he rewound it for me on YouTube. And at one point, Travis says, like, oh, I can read something yeah. in the middle of their game. And you have Matt Mercer that comes back and saying, if only you could read. Yeah. And tra- like all the air comes out of Travis. Like it was fantastic. But there's that kind of shit that you get when you watch the game. But I hope that they leave in the cartoon. Yeah. And that um, Travis is, yeah. yeah, Grog is my favorite in campaign one because he has these moments, kind of like what Casey's talking about, where Travis is so intelligent that he plays dumb in the most impressive way on the planet. And he makes these comments like where Pete, like he would say something and everybody would kind of look at him and go, holy shit because it was just this moment of pure genius as an idiot and it was the greatest and then he did this all the time in the campaign and he just leaned into it like he was just like fuck it i am Uh this idiot i mean and they made fun of him for it constantly like that was there was another moment before the briarwood arc or the whitestone arc where grog loves to eat anything and they don't show that i mean they kind of show it in the show but like he's constantly fucking eating in the campaign and they would eat live while because they would work and then they come and play D D at night so they'd be eating something all the time well he had this big plate of chicken 
Somehow he ended up in the game. They made it so Grog was so drunk and stupid that he was eating this flat part of a bar stool. And that was the chicken he was crunching into. And Matt gets, or Travis at this point still wasn't good at dealing with being dumb. So he would just get so mad and storm off the set because they were making fun of him so bad. Dude, it was great. Like, yeah, I love that shit. What I do wish they had done more in the cartoon is Grog and Pike's relationship is so fucking cute. And they didn't do it justice in the cartoon. Like you have this giant barbarian who is best friends and would lay down his life for this tiny little gnome. And they didn't really share their backstories. And if you ever want to know, you can go on Critical Rose YouTube and you can just watch the backstories Mm -hmm. so that you can understand a little bit better on how those relationships came to be. But I wish that they had done that and really leaned into how they became like their relationship because you see it a little bit where when he's riding in the back of the wagon and he's crying because he can't talk to her and she told him he could, but that's really the most that you get. And it sells it short. I felt like. See, that's good to know because I was looking at it like, yeah, if I'm the big guy who just runs in and constantly gets the shit kicked out of me, I'm going to be best friends with the healer. Yeah. That's, that's what I was looking at. Like, I'm teaming up with Pike because I need I that spend magic. Half, yeah, I need the magic because I can't take care of myself. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite cute. So, Grog, his barbarian horde, he saved uh, Pike's great grandfather from being killed by his horde. And then his horde beat him almost to death and left him for dead. And Pike came and saved him. So, and then he was a kid basically when it happened. So they raised him. So they grew up together, those two. And that's why they're, I did love, and I mentioned the other night we were rewatching it. And whenever they're together, together, she's always sitting on his shoulders, like just holding on to his head. And I love that shit. Like, and he picks her up all the time in the campaign. Yeah. It like, he actually does that. It's really cute. Yeah. They're dynamic. I'll have to send you another link, Alec, because they have a, there's a whole video of nothing but these great grog and pike moments. Oh, dude, it's funny as fuck. Like, and her trying to teach him, there's a moment shortly after the Brightward arc where they're in a bar and he takes this potion of genius or some shit that makes him smarter. And I mean, it's not too smart. Like Let's, minimally. Yeah, I mean, it, but it makes him a little smarter. And he's like, can you teach me how to read? Oh, fuck, dude. It's it was like, so cute. Yeah, it it's so 10 minutes, precious. the funniest shit on the planet. <laughs> Him trying to, well, oh God, that, it's And great. then the whole cast just melts. Like you, it's oh, just yeah. this like, oh. And he's like, it's can like you a, teach me like my letters? women saw a puppy. Yeah. yeah. And then <laughs> he, he calls them squiggly bits. Like, yeah. what are those, there's some squiggles. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Well, and she's telling him like, you have four letters in your name. And he's like, I'm not so good with the numbers either. <laughs> yeah. That's why he like, and I think that they did it they once did it in, in the, the cartoon, yeah, in the cartoon where he, where he counted and he went to like, I don't know what, eight, something like that. Yeah. Or they said something of, of a thousand and he's like, is that a lot? <laughs> yeah. Is that more than five? <laughs> yeah. That's it. So, like, so yeah, he's dumber than a box of rocks, but it's, oh. it's, he's got the biggest heart. It's, he's my favorite character by far. I love Pike too. And she is that cool. And I love that they gave her her moment in that. So like during that zombie fight, when she comes flying in as the astral projection. So she was zoomed. Ashley Johnson was zoom calling in. So she's on this little TV screen behind him trying to play, which is like the worst thing ever. Cause she was on set in New York. So she had some time, but she's 
on this thing. So that's why they made her an astral projection in the campaign too. And so I love it because Keyleth, she's a druid. So she has all the earth elements and all that shit. So she creates this giant rock wall in the middle of the city to keep all the zombies out. So it looks like world war Z with all these zombies trying to climb up this fucking wall. And Pike gets on top of the wall and jumps off of it and slams her freaking mace down and like destroys a whole shit ton of zombies in the campaign. So I love that they gave her that moment of, and I do love because you don't see that when she's gone in the campaign, she's just gone. And then they try to explain it. What were you doing? Oh, I was helping out at the temple of the Everlight or Saren Ray or whatever you wanted because it was different. But, but they don't tell exactly. So I love that they gave her this chance of having to understand that it's okay that she's both a holy woman and a fucking deviant at the same time. Like as long as you're, because that's what she is. And like her and Grog are shit rip all the time after they get in fights and stuff in the campaign. So I love that that was a cool addition to the cartoon that they couldn't do in the campaign because yeah. she just wasn't able to do it. And you don't want to have to like force feed something when she's not there. So that was a I cool totally addition. Yeah. What I wish that they had leaned into. So Vax, Vax is a fucking like, he's a trickster, man. He, oh, yeah. they, he pranks like nobody's business. So at one point, so Goliath, Goliath's right. Can't grow beards. Yeah. Oh so yeah. Grog somehow so Travis somehow gets Matt to let his character, like he does something, a potion or a spell or something to let him grow a beard. And at one point Vax shaves and it takes him forever to be yeah, able to Yeah, he's going to roll it. for the growth and he never rolled well for it. Of course. So the first time that he rolls well, that Grog grows a beard, in comes Vax <laughs> and he shaves off just half of it. And so Grog wakes up in the morning to half, only half of his beard being there, but they prank each other constantly. And Vax is always pranking his sister or pranking like, it's, mm-hmm. and I wish that they had leaned into that because they made Vax really serious and he eventually does get super serious. Yeah. I missed having the playful time and maybe that's what's coming. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I thought ball tag was pretty playful. Yeah. And they, they did show that, which I was glad they showed something, but like there's a moment in the campaign. Yeah. Oh yeah. They did all that shit oh, in the yeah. campaign too. Well, so like there's a moment where like eventually Scanlan gets the ability to magically create a mansion for 24 hours. So it's like in a pocket dimension and they can hide there. They're safe there. So they'll go in there and sleep. So they don't have to pay for like, fees for like hotel rooms and shit inns and things like that so they'll go in and all it makes is chicken (laughs) he can only like he makes it so they only can eat everything's chicken so they have this like chicken ice cream and he takes it and he slathers it in vex's bed one night under the covers so she climbs into this soaking wet chicken broth bed yeah he does shit like that constantly in the first part of the campaign so it was really I can funny. tell you my favorite part of the entire show was the first fight between Silas and Grog mm. and Grog tries to end it with ball tag. Yeah. And so I was, was that in there at all? Or is like Silas is cool in the campaign as he was in the show? Cause I don't think anybody plays a villain, right? No. Uh, well, so Matt Mercer, the guy that it's crazy. So Matt Mercer, the, the dungeon master, the, the game master, he does a shit ton of the voices and Silas is one of them that he voices in the cartoon. And that it's the same exact voice. It's really creepy, actually, when you watch it on the campaign. 
then you get to hear him on the cartoon. You're like, oh, that's so fucking cool. Because it's actually his voice and he plays it the exact same. But he does all the villain voices and all the things that they fight. So the Game Master does all the things that aren't your character players. But he, you know, stepped back and let a lot of people voice. But he did all that stuff. That fight that you're talking about at the end of the first, second episode or third episode, third episode, I think, with Silas and very different in the campaign. It didn't go as well for the Briarwoods as it did in the cartoon. So when they, when they run away, it's because they figured out how to hurt Silas quite a bit. Now, don't get me wrong. Vax almost dies like twice in that fight pretty quick. Cause he's a moron and is in that room when he shouldn't be, <laughs> but he, I mean, and they lay they kicked the shit out of a lot of them, but they were starting to, Percy was really doing some damage to both of them. And then Keyleth, that's where she realizes she can do a, what's called a sunbeam spell. So they don't show that until later on. And, and, but she does one of those and it really hurts him. So it was very different. They ran away cause they were getting, they would have lost that fight if they had stayed. So they run away. So I'm glad that they didn't do it that way, to be honest in the cartoon. Cause you need that, like that storyline to make you realize who these guys aren't to be fucked with. You know what I mean? So if it was me, I'd packed up and left. Yeah. <laughs> no shit. Here's the key back to your mansion. Here's the deed. <laughs> I will out. see you later. <laughs> yeah. And then that whole house arrest thing, like it happens, but then like the fight there with like the zombies and shit doesn't happen. So like that oh, and the book, they didn't find anything about the ziggurat or the zipper twat until, <laughs> and that's straight out of the campaign. Just so you know, like the, zi- yep, the, the zipper, zipper twat. twat. I can see that. Oh yeah. I can see that's that. Sam Regal. That's right Sam there. Regal. The guy that plays Scanlan, funniest fucking dude on the planet. Like he Do sings all those purpose, songs. Oh yeah. You just misread it. Okay. No, he, oh, no, does, he does, does shit like that constantly <laughs> he, on purpose. Like he constantly, every time he tries to inspire, cause his character is <laughs> yeah. a bard he remakes songs and then sings them. Yeah. Um, and he sings like Sam is a good singer. He's yeah. He was in the, uh, the Miz. Miz. he was the kid, oh, okay. uh, Gavroche. So yeah, he, he brought was, in the original Broadway cast. Yeah. He's like, but he's really good at saying, and he does all the songs. All like, this, oh, so that's why he's the bard. Yeah. <laughs> all of the songs that he made up are so fucking funny. Oh, yeah. So funny. And a lot of it's off the cuff. Like it's, it's pretty impressive what he does. Like mm-hmm. he's a genius. And oh, and yeah. I love how they put, so look, Scanlon's a scoundrel throughout the campaign, but they even upped him a notch in the cartoon. Cause the one thing that Sam struggles with in the game is he's not very good at keeping track of D and D, but what he's very good at is he, stays true to the game. So if he's like in a room and nobody's there or if he's so everybody's in a room and he's not there, like even though he's hearing the conversation in the game, he'll be like, I'm not fucking there. I have no idea what's going on. And he'll do shit to the detriment of the campaign because it's true to what's really happening. And a lot of people struggle with that in D and D games because they know as a human being, what's going on. They can't help, but do what they call metagaming. And you're like, okay, I know that's happening. So I'm going to do he doesn't fuck with that. Like he comes in and does dumb shit because it's what his character would do. And I love that with Scanlan in this cartoon, like they full on let him be just the weirdest fucking creepy little lecherous bastard. And he is just like that in the campaign. And I love, so one of the greatest moments in the campaign, and I sent you this clip, Alec, is 
the moment Scanbo. Scanbo, that episode five, I think it is when he's on his own and goes into Duke Venmeyer's and it's like, he turns into a fucking triceratops dude. Oh, I was so happy when I saw the episode list and one episode was called Scanbo. I was like, that's the great, because when he did it in the campaign, everybody's like, what the fuck are you doing? by yourself against a uh, Goliath. Cause he's the same. Venmire is the same race as Grog. He's a Goliath barbarian. So he, you're like, Oh shit, this dude's huge. He's going to, and Scanlan just wrecked shop in this mansion. And they even show Scanlan getting his ass beat in the cartoon, which makes sense in the campaign. Almost no, entirely unscathed. Oh, <laughs> it, it it was seriously like some and I think it was almost an entire episode of him as a triceratops like I remember after the first episode of the cartoon it was kind of cool to see what they left in and mm-hmm. then what they changed like once once you get into the second episode and you start to see like oh no 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 we're okay like here's yeah. here's what I know here's all the funny pieces and you can see that they changed what they didn't like about the campaign itself or to make the story work better. Yeah. But the things that they kept in it's are fantastic. Oh. And I remember us like having this conversation of do you do you think that we're going to do it and in the plan in the cartoon in the planning se- session that they had, they Scanlan kind of came up with a plan. JJ's like, "Oh, nope, there's the there's the reference to the triceratops." And he's like, "No, I bet they're going to do it. I bet they're going to do it." And then it, the next episode was was Scambo. Yeah. And it was it's oh, glorious. So funny. Glorious. So funny. So I do have a question because kind of Scambo starts off, you know, and he, he's initially going to just light a haystack on fire. And as yeah. soon as the lights match, it starts to rain. So when something like that happens, did they add that into the cartoon purely for fun? Or is that like Matt Mercer just shitting oh, no. on Sam Regal's time? Or is that a, a dice roll that just fucks him over? Shitty dice rolls. So, you know, the whole door thing. Yes. Okay. The fucking door joke throughout this cartoon is real shit. Like <laughs> Vox Machina, their greatest nemesis in all of the, the villains that they fought, which they fought like some next gen villains throughout this campaign is doors. is doors to the point that the, one of the funniest moments is there's this big fight with the dragon. They're running through this ruined part of the city. They go down under the ground and it's the very next episode after they struggled with this door in Whitestone. And they go down and Matt describes this door with a series of locks on it. And you can see the whole fucking group just kind of go, fuck, it's a door. <laughs> like they're so downtrodden by they have a door with more than one lock. <laughs> because every time oh they would go gosh. to a door, they would roll like shit. Like it that was makes the funniest so thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. In the Whitestone episode, when you see like the three dumbasses that are all struggling with the fucking door. And then here Vex just shows up with everything done. That shit came right from the campaign. Like that, oh, that dude. Like, yeah. They struggled with that fucking door for like hours. Yeah. Meanwhile, Vex got all the shit done and she just shows up and she's like, what the fuck is going on here? Well, and even that, before, it was this constant, that like was beautiful. Cause even had oh, like, yeah. Vax, Scanlan and Percy, right? So three of the four most un- incompetent, members of the party and then percy's like oh i'm gonna go find a window and then falls out of the very window. next scene i fell out the window and that shit Is happened that a dice so, roll? yeah so what that <laughs> yeah, shit was like legit only it was different so they combined a couple of doormat moments so there was a before that one where they were getting in the castle they went to this church to try to find keeper yenin and it was an old church where she used to be 
and they couldn't open this fucking door. Scanlon that was, was the original door too. Yeah, that was the original. Scanlon was trying to hit it with the fucking Scanlon's hand. Um, <laughs> Vax tried to pick it like three times and broke his lock pick set. And Percy, Percy tried to shoot it. At it. It didn't break the lock. <laughs> so Percy finally was like, fuck it, let's go through the window. And this dumbass goes, and he's really high in what's called in the game, you get skills or you get like traits. And he's really high in dexterity, which means he can do some really cool, like climbing walls, climbing trees, doing hip hop skips and jump shit, usually. But he rolled so shitty, he fell through the fucking window. <laughs> And then they get, so they get in the church through the window and they couldn't get the fucking door open from the inside. Well, and one of them has a sword in between the doors and yeah. then somebody has like an ax that they're trying to chop through it. I mean, they're, they're, they're wasting like moment. spells at a door. Oh, it's, it's so funny. Well, and then immediately after inside this church, this giant wraith comes out and is like supposed to be super powerful and they roll so good, they fucking killed it in like three turns. And Mercer's like, you can't open the fucking door, but you kill my fucking bad guy. And like, it's nothing. It's like, what the fuck is going on right now? It and was that the funniest continued shit. The, yeah, the whole rest of the campaign. Door. Oh, every gosh. door was rough. See, now I'm a little disappointed because I was like, oh, this is comedy gold. And oh, then yeah. it turns out it's just dice rolls. But it's well, still that's, comedy that's gold. Comedy. Dude. That's how good they did with this yeah. cartoon. Like, for somebody, I am not like I. I didn't watch Saturday morning cartoons. I don't actually really like cartoons. Oh, Even me, like yes. I don't. I was cackling. That's how well they did with it, and they had a lot of really good content that they could have pulled in, and a lot of stuff that was a lot funnier watching mm -hmm. the actual gameplay. But that just tells you how funny that was because this cartoon is done so well and it is so funny and it is it is the perfect like weird adult cartoon that you've always wanted that graphic wise it looks like old school saturday morning cartoons mm -hmm. so like picture wise they did phenomenally well story wise they changed what they wanted to they didn't change what they didn't want to and it's i'm so impressed by what they did. And to think that this entire world, Matt Mercer created Matt Mercer and this group of people. So Matt Mercer created the world and most of, and all of the characters in it. And to think they came from playing at somebody's dining room table to a month ago, they were in theaters mm -hmm. in countries around the world. And this is people paying. And mind you, we were there we were in a completely full theater in the age of the pandemic. You were surrounded by people wearing their merchandise, cheering them on. And it was a whole bunch of people watching something that you could have watched at home, but you were in a movie theater watching them stream YouTube. And there were some really cool things that came out of it. And you got to see like a whole group of people figure out after I did just throwing it out there. Um, but it was really cool to watch like this whole community and see this community that wasn't there. And JJ made the point of Marisha and Ashley and Laura. Yeah. He made a comment saying they gave girls, hot girls, a permission to be a nerd. And I got really offended in the beginning, but he's right. Like the community that they built, the community that supported them, that 
paid for this, that every time they come out with a charity, the community that supports critical role in D&D has always gone balls to the wall, supported whatever they wanted to. Like, it's really cool to see what they've done for D&D. So to see it come to life in the form of this cartoon and to see the story and the characters that you've, that you grew to love portrayed in such a really cool and complimentary to them way was really neat. Yeah. Well, that, and like, it's funny to think about in the theater. And I think I made this comment to Casey too. Like the tickets weren't cheap. Like you're paying, it was 20 bucks a ticket to go watch this at the theater. And you're basically sitting in a movie theater watching a bunch of people sit around a table rolling fucking dice, but it's worth every second of it. So you sit in a theater Uh for four hours, but it felt shorter than most of the movies we review, dude. Like it's just that good. And so, yeah, the cartoon is so much fun and leans into so many of the things that like, and as I'm watching it, I'm like, there's so much content that they could use. So to be able to get it into a streamlined, you know, piece of story that makes sense and tells the story in such a way that it doesn't make me feel like I'm missing anything is really impressive. And I can't wait for season two. I don't know about you guys, but when you were watching it, did it feel like the episodes were like 10 minutes long? Yeah, they fucking go so fast. I watched the entire scene in one afternoon, four hours. I was like, like, what? (laughs) What time is it? Yeah, Yeah, because we'd recorded and JJ said, hey, check this out. I went to Amazon that day. I texted him later that night. Hey, I watched it. That was awesome. Yeah, it's like, it's the greatest thing ever. Dude, I'm telling you. (laughs) And that speaks a a lot. Yeah. And the fact that you can turn it on and and it's just what, it is that entertainment. Yeah, 100% engrossed. Oh, yeah. And you don't like you're pausing it to go pee, right? You don't want it. You don't want to miss a single second. I mean, mine was I paused it to go get fry bread, but you know, that works sure. too. why wouldn't you? <laughs> I will say, and I think so for me, the reason I like the Briarwood arc in the game was, and this is one place where I feel like the cartoon did a really good job, but I think the campaign did it better is like Percy's dissension into fucking psychosis with this demon that he's got that his vengeance demon or whatever it was like Talis and Jaffe, the guy that created and voices, the guy's a little weird and I love it. He's one of my favorites on the show, but he goes into these moments of just crazy. Like when he's after it and they, they, like I said, they started calling him no mercy Percy. Cause that when he shoots the hand off the cart driver, when the Briarwoods leave, like that happens in the campaign and everybody, like all the actors, like, that are doing this just weren't ready for it because this is a kid. Like he was a kid that was driving. He was like 16, 17 year old kid. And Mercy, Percy just blows his hand off to try to get him to talk more about the Briarwoods. And then everybody in the campaign's going, Holy shit, what the fuck is going on right now? And then he would just get worse and worse throughout the campaign. Like when he kills the guy with the tongue, like that moment when he shoots him, like they were trying to, interrogate him and Percy's just like fuck it and shoots him right between the eyes like it's fucking batshit watching him descend into crazy and so I really love that they were to do it I I wasn't expecting from the cartoon because that big end fight where Percy was part of the demon doesn't happen Pike expels the demon uses a spell to kick the demon out of Percy and then they all fight the demon including Percy not that he can do much 
In fact, I think per, no, Percy takes off running to go catch what's her face. Cause it happens before no. they throw the demon out of Percy before they take on the Briarwoods actually in the ah. campaign. So he goes chasing after Ripley because he can't shoot the demon. It just, his bullets go right through it. So he goes chasing after Ripley. So they changed a little bit there, but I liked what they did with it. And that was some of Matt Mercer's best voice acting because he voiced the demon. Yeah. So I really enjoyed the changes that they did make to make it make sense and to have that moment. And then Scanlan does fucking throw the gun in the acid. <laughs> and he, there's, some of the lines are directly out oh, of the yes. campaign. <laughs> Percy says to Ripley, they let her out of the jail cell. And she's, he says, right now you're the luckiest person in Whitestone because you're at the bottom of my list. Like that's directly out of the campaign. So they had, they took some lines right out of the campaign. Awesome. So question for that demon thing, Mm -hmm. was this like a character creation? Like he adds this in, or is this kind of something that develops or is this Matt Mercer feeding him a note saying, Hey, guess what you're playing? Or this is a little bit of insight of what's happening. It was Talison. So everybody, when they build their character, they build a backstory and when okay. you build your backstory, you work with the DM. So that's going to be Talison working with Matt on his backstory to develop coming into it. The backstory of like, here's these people came in and fucked up my family. I ran from them. That's how I came to be wherever I was, where the campaign started. And that, but that would okay. have been originating with Talison. Yeah. Cause that was brilliant. Yeah. You know, I was sitting there going, I was like, Hey, I know it's based off of a game. <laughs> how, how does this work in to what's going on with the storytelling? Cause it's phenomenal. And yeah. I love a good story. Each Go character just- makes up their own backstory. So mm-hmm. a lot of what you see brought in. So Keyleth going, she mentions in the cartoon, she's going for her Aramente. So there's things like that, that that's what they built in. So each character kind of has, whatever they're going toward already, already pre there. I think that's why I wish in the cartoon they had showed a little bit more of the backstory. Cause I think it would have made some of that stuff make sense. Even if they showed it in like little glimpses of their past. No, they get, did kind of do that with Percy near like throughout. They had little clips of him as yeah, a kid. Percy with, did. And that's because Percy's the main person. You saw a little bit of it with, Pike to a degree, but that was all things that were happening in the moment. But I think so. You only really saw the backstory of Percy on this one. Then, of course, Pike got a major piece of the story because she was figuring her shit out. But the other thing about Matt Mercer, though, in this group is so Tallison likes to be very heavily involved in his backstories. So he comes up with a lot of those twisted ass details. He also enjoys creating new character types. That's the gunslinger. He also created a new one in his <laughs> a blood uh, blood, hunter. blood hunter in the second campaign. So they he and Matt do a lot of creation of different character types, and he's very involved in his backstory. Some of these guys they'll create a character, give Matt like a general backstory, and then Matt creates the complicated shit. So in the second campaign, Travis, the guy that does Grog, he created a character called Ford. So he told Matt, "I want him to be a sailor. Here's what happened." This is how he came to be here. And then he's a warlock, which means he has a patron. So he has someone that gives him his powers, but he didn't know anything about his patron. He told Matt, I want you to do that. And then Matt throughout the campaign introduced Travis to his patron as everyone in the group was finding out about it. So Travis likes to be some of them. like, Yeah. They're like, here's what I want. I'm going to let you, integrate the backstory into the story the way that you want 
some people like that. They don't want to take the time to do know all of it. It's more fun to learn it as you go. So it's really interesting. Mercer's making the story. Yeah, he yeah. did that with Ashley Johnson too. Yep. And you could watch okay. her go yeah. through and you watch the actors <laughs> go through emotions. It's interesting. It's, and it's intense. Like you would, you're constantly surprised by how affected these, these people are. Yeah. Like there's moments where they're at the table Matt, crying. Right? Like they're I mean, full they, on. What do they call it? The Mercer effect? Yeah, the Mercer effect. <laughs> Poor DMs everywhere try to be like Matt Mercer, and you just can't. Like, it's just, that guy's on a level all his own. He's something else. You need to rename it Dungeons and Matt. Pretty much. Probably. Pretty well, much. Well, and he, like, he's done such a good job that they've taken, the actual Dungeons and Dragons people have taken and added his content into Canon. Dungeons and Dragons. Like it's done, they, you yeah, can it, buy it's, books. It's part of it now. Yeah, uh, I own So them. it's 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 pretty impressive <laughs> what they've been able to do. Yeah. It's no joke, man. They know what they've got with this guy. And he, they've between stranger things and critical role, they've pretty much reinvigorated the world and reintroduced the world to Dungeons and Dragons, especially when I was a kid. And I, I'll try to keep this short. When I was younger, I was telling Casey, I, I just bought a book called the vampire, the masquerade. It's their main book that introduced you to the game. And it, that's the first role-playing game, tabletop role-playing game I ever played. So I played that when I was, 12 or 13, we started, and then we tried to move to Dungeons and Dragons. But when I was a kid, they had what was called the satanic panic. And for some reason in the 80s and 90s, like Dungeons and Dragons was labeled as this satanic, awful fucking thing because there were dragons and there were vampires and there were all sorts of weird, dark shit that could happen in the game. But like my parents coming from a religious background, no fucking way. Like my dad found out I was playing Dungeons and Dragons. That shit was done. And so like we had to sneak and play stuff like that. So for me, it's really exciting because we have group that we play Dungeons and Dragons with now and we're trying to grow that group a little bit. But it's exciting because now it's fun and it's something that nobody's like, oh, this is evil and stupid. I mean, it's just like, it's cool shit. So, I mean, I'm grateful for like I said, Stranger Things launched it pretty big and then everyone caught on with Critical Role. And now we have this cartoon that is like certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes and doing great. So, well, and, and I can attest to, I was always so grown up. It was never that, right? I was the furthest thing from anything nerd you mm-hmm. could possibly get, right? I was the chick that was up at five, wouldn't leave the house without hair and makeup. I was like a, I was a bitch. I mean, I'll just throw it out that way. And I always looked down my nose, right? It was always in high school. You always had like the weird magic, the gathering people that grouped up by the, like in this one dark hallway over by the stairs and they were right. They were to be made fun of. And here's how great of a job they do. So I started with the second campaign, which I love and I like it so much more than this first campaign. And I learned how to play through that. So I got to see and learn through a story. So it made sense. And I got so into it. I have a dice collection that would put Laura Bailey to shame. I don't know about that, but it's quite the collection. Homemade. Yeah. Homemade dice bags, homemade dice trays, because like, that's how great of a job of showing you and really, and giving you permission, right. To be a nerd and to just go all in and, they've made it really fun and cool. So I, I appreciate what they've done and the community that they have built. It's awesome. And I'm very honored to be 
to consider myself part of it. Right on. I think I was always a closeted nerd. So <laughs> I'm right in the middle of you both, not really knowing this or that. Never played Dungeons and Dragons. Never really. I mean, it's more of an antisocial thing, right? So I don't do yeah, anything to begin fair. with. So Dungeons and Dragons isn't anything special. But I mean, I enjoy good entertainment. And this is the height of good entertainment oh, where so you can fun. just throw it on and just have a laugh, make a bad day, you know, a lot better than it was. So that's what I appreciate with this. Yeah. I'm looking forward to season two. Mostly one of the arcs is heavily leaning into Grog. And so mm-hmm. like mm. coming up in the, in the next, you start to see everybody has like a quest that they have to do to get something for them. And so it's really cool to see those characters open up. So I'm excited to see how they lean into all of the different stuff for season two in the cartoon with how they've improved or changed up the characters a little bit. If we get more lines like the giant comment, I'm all for that. Oh, dude. Well, you think we all fucking know each other? <laughs> uh, I just like, tell me. Super is, intense is Cap- moment. Dude's freaking swimming in acid. Is Captain Winky okay? <laughs> Still hanging low, buddies. Yeah, then I'm okay. <laughs> He closes his eyes and he's, if you don't know where, if I don't know where I'm swinging, then you don't know where I'm swinging too. Don't try to seduce me. (laughs) Was that a line from the campaign? Because that feels like it was a line from the campaign. It probably was, to be honest with you. There's so many that are snuck in there. It's great. The other one, just to kind of finish off before we rate this thing, but I love that they snuck in animated versions of Matt Mercer throughout this fucking show. So every episode has one. Every episode no, has an animated no, version no, no, of Matt no Mercer. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you're gonna have to go back and watch it again because yeah, I'm about to tell you seventh time. So the first episode, he's the guy that Scanlan pees on. <laughs> <laughs> That's animated Matt Mercer. The second episode, he's the guard that when Grog and Scanlan are sitting there at the fountain. The, and the, Grog burps. And Grog burps, and the he's guard, the, the ale wheel. Yeah, he's the one with the ale wheel. Cart, and then the third one, he's the guard that takes their coat at the coat check thing, and they throw out of the fucking thing. In the fourth one, he's one of the zombies, the zombie that like when they turn the light on and he kind of melts, they've pushed him up against the wall. That's a zombie version of him. In the fifth one, he's also a zombie in Whitestone, I think. Mm-hmm. And then okay. In the sixth one, he's in the pr- one of the prison cells. He's one of like the guys they save when they're trying to save Archie. Blink and miss that one. And then I lost track of seven and eight. And then in nine, he's also like he's like the lead zombie whose jaw falls off when Pike shows up. And then I don't know where he was, 10 and 11, but yeah, or 10, 11, 12. But yeah, there's in every okay. episode, there's an animated version of Matt Mercer. That looks a little different. Sometimes he's got, it goes through all the looks that Matt's had throughout the years in the campaign. So one, he's got a beard, long hair, clean shaven, a little shorter hair. But yeah, it's, it became a hunt for, we'd mm-hmm. like, where's Matt? <laughs> <laughs> See, that just proves they're too clever for their own good. Oh man, I'm telling you. And then Scanlon wrote all the songs like that were in there. Or, Sam. Yeah, Sam Regal wrote like 90% of the songs that are in it. Just going off of the song thing, Sam Regal, along with Laura and Ashley, wrote the theme song and sang the theme song during campaign two. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's that's like the, the one that's the, it's running through the cartoon. Yeah. 
So it's kind of the background music or through the, throughout really the cartoon, cool definitely yeah. during the opening, but it's yeah. really cool because they wrote it. And well, Sam wrote it. They just sang it. Yeah. Sam wrote yeah, 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 yeah. it. The, this whole fucking thing started. They used to make jokes about how cool it would be for animation. And one day, so this website, dndbeyond.com was sponsoring the whole season two or yeah, campaign two. So they were a sponsor of the whole, all of campaign two. And Sam wrote a jingle. He does all like in the beginning of the, every episode, he does like the ad stuff for their sponsors. And some of them are really fucking ridiculous. And some of them are downright gross. And some of them are weird as fuck. But for D and D beyond, he wrote a little jingle and then D and D beyond went, well, fuck, we have to animate this shit now. So they created an actual animated version of that commercial. Ah. And then they went, holy shit, we can do this. And then they created an animated intro for season two for campaign two, what they would play. And then they went ahead and created an animated intro for campaign one. That was the intro to the, what was originally going to be their pilot. If they got the money from the Kickstarter and then they got so much money that it just blew up from there. But Sam Regal, in a really stupid side way made it so that they realized that they could probably figure this shit out because he wrote some stupid ass fucking jingle for D and D beyond <laughs> making well, fun of Travis's warlock. Yeah. They're just box mocking that dude. Just, they so and are. Sam is so good at it. Yeah. He used to do an ad and I, it was for like the cyber security, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And it was so ridiculous and stupid. And here you have these actors that have like glow lights and shit on them. But at one point, who was the guy that came and he was only there for the ad. Oh yeah. 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 The guy from scream. Matthew oh shit. Lillard. Matthew Lillard. He only showed, <laughs> he showed up to be part of this camp. Wow. This intro to be part. Yeah. It was so fucking funny. Yeah. It, like epic. He's and- the best. I love Matthew Lillard. I still to this day think Matthew Lillard should have been the big bad on the last season of Dexter. Oh yeah. He would have been great. Him being a big bad crazy. Oh, it would have been epic. Nope. I needed more yeah. of him as Shaggy. Yeah. From Scooby-Doo. <laughs> like zoinks. But yeah, it's like, it's pretty cool. It's amazing. And then, okay. yeah. So like just to finish up, I wanted to go through some of the people that are in this shit. Like, so on top of their group, you have, Kari Payton from The Walking Dead, Ezekiel from The Walking Dead. You have Steven Root. I just waiting for the bad guy, Professor Anders, to say something about a red stapler. Like I wanted him <laughs> to say that so bad. It's <laughs> just like, how perfect would that be? Like, you took my stapler. <laughs> just, you know, it would have been great. Gina Torres, who's like suits, she does so much voice work. Rory McCann for Duke Vedmire. You got him from Game of Thrones. Jesus, the Hound is on it. Indira Varmer also. She was one of the Sand Snakes from Game of Thrones. Stephanie Beatriz, really? We just reviewed her not too long ago on the movie side. Yeah, the cast is just out of this world. Dominic Monaghan from Lord Lord of the the Rings. Rings. Kelly Hugh. I mean, Eugene Word. Tony Hale from, he was from Veep. Uh-huh. Um, that played Sir Finch. And then, of course, Jesus Christ, David Tennant. Are you kidding me? Like, who played a throwaway character? Yeah, no shit. <laughs> no shit. I mean, he's throwaway until next season. And then he's oh, a trigger okay. for the big who bads in play? season two. He played uh, General Krieg and Brimsythe. Brimsythe, the blue dragon. Uh-huh. So he triggers the big bads of season two. Yeah. 
So is that are those the other dragons that we see on his carpet? Because there's like five. The of chroma, them. Uh, the chroma, chroma conclave. Chroma conclave. Yeah, five. So I, I'll say chromatic dragons. If I was, who's the king? Who's the king? Uriel, the king of Amon. Uriel. Yeah. If I was him, I'd be like, uh, uh-uh. I, I, <laughs> I quit. I, I, yeah, I just I quit. Bitches. I, uh, <laughs> I already um, said it. Uh-uh. Not to ruin it for you, but he's dead. Yeah, it shit doesn't go well for Uriel. You know uh-huh. the dragon okay. that you see flying in at the mm-hmm. at the end? About two seconds after that, half spoiler. that city dies. No, yeah, that the That's opening. That's not even a spoiler. Yeah. That's barely a spoiler. Does Gilmore survive? Yes. That's what's important. That's all you yes. get is he survives. Okay. That's all you that. get. Because he was one of my favorite kids. He's everybody's. He's like he's he's, he's a majorly and I will say the one difference between Gilmore on the TV show is they kind of hinted that there was like a backstory between Gilmore. Oh, and they more than hinted. They threw it all out there on the but table. Like during the campaign, Matt leans into it almost to like the umpth degree. It's fantastic. And they kind of pulled back a little bit yeah. on that in the cartoon. But and I think that had was, to do with time because in the campaign, they all but bone. Like throughout the thing, like seriously, like the flirting is so deep and thick. You're like, Jesus. And Liam and Matt. So Liam's the guy that voices Vax and Matt, like they love to go back and forth with like all the, all that shit. Who cracks first? Oh, dude. And so like (laughs) they, and so they would get going between the two of them in the early of the campaign. And you're just like, just fuck already. Like, <laughs> it's it's all is that why yeah. Pike has that kind of throwaway comment about the foreplay in the cartoon? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Where, yeah, yeah, yeah. where that's that's enough foreplay or something like yep. that. Yep, yep. That's why, yeah. Because seriously, <laughs> Gilmore's going through all of his shit and just ignoring the Pikes even there. Yeah. And in the campaign, they go to his shop like constantly before Whitestone Arc, like the first arc, they go to him to gear up and shit. And it is like everybody else wants to buy shit. And Vax is just trying to get in his pants and vice versa. Like, it's the funniest fucking shit. And they're just loving it. Like, it's great. It's funny to watch Matt have these weird. So there's one point in the second campaign where Matt's playing an NPC that's a female captain of a ship. And Ford, Travis's character, like, they're having this, like, moment. And so you can see poor Travis just getting uncomfortable as fuck because he's not as good at the romance thing as, like, Liam, who just loves it and leans into it. And Matt's just kind of leaning over the table trying to flirt with Travis. And Travis is like, fuck, okay, here we go. <laughs> it's, and then it's, at some point, somebody has to fuck, and Matt's like, and then the door closes. Oh, yeah. Well, and that's, then the next morning. Yeah, that's Travis and Avantika. Anyway, all right, let's rate this thing. We've talked a lot about it. There's still so much we could talk about. Next, I will promise this, though. The season two, we'll do it as they release. So they release like, this time, I think, three episodes at a time. There's another 12 episodes coming. So we'll do the triple episodes at a time. That way we'll break it up a little bit and be able to talk more about what's coming. Cause there's a lot of shit coming. And mm-hmm. I really hope they get a many more seasons because there's so much story to tell. I so. want them to do campaign two in cartoon oh, form. Dude. So fucking bad. Like Jones just, in for it. I just want to see Jester in animation. Cause Laura Bailey's character, Jester in the second campaign is probably the greatest D and D character I've ever seen. I also want to see Caleb. 
Whatever. Yeah, else. Caleb would be funny. And I too. imagine him in my head as pig pen, like a like a sort of pig pen <laughs> with like flies and dust all the ways around him. Yeah, he's Liam's character in campaign too. He's like this dirty wizard. Like he, they see him and he's just nice. filthy and stinks, and it's funny. German accent. German like accent. Really, like, socially full awkward. On. Yeah. I want a Christmas special. Dude. Here's the phone, man. That shit would be great. <laughs> oh, man. Fucking Chutney. <laughs> I do want to see it. Chutney Pocopee in cartoon form as well. All right. Yeah, let's rate this thing real quick. I'll go first. Look, I'm not going to beat around the bush. This thing's a five for me. Beyond the nostalgia piece from the campaign and the love of the campaign, even if this was a standalone cartoon, I would give it a five. It's just funny. It has everything you want as an adult in a cartoon it's vulgar it's violent there's a little bit of sex here and there there's some great storylines there's great character progression and it's not what you expect from a cartoon like there's serious things happening to these people and they're growing and they're learning and becoming better they just full-on love it i was fully entertained so glad they were able to do it it's a five for me can't watch it enough casey i don't think i've ever given a five but i'm going to give this a five to take somebody who I dread cartoons. I, I really don't like them. I don't understand stupid humor. So I've never gotten cartoons. I don't think they're funny to take something. And yes, going past the nostalgia, because I don't, I haven't liked that season as much as, or that campaign as much as the second, but to take it. And I was looking forward to it. And I mean, I was waiting for JJ to come home, to walk through the door, to be like, Hey, it's Friday. Can we go like full attention? To take a person like me who's not a cartoony, not a not a whatever, into looking forward to watching it and looking for the little Easter eggs, right? And and seeing and it's so fun to see what I can pick out, right? So it's, you know, you get to see Sprinkle for those of you who know who Sprinkle is, right? You can you can start to identify and you almost find yourself drawn into it where you really are rooting these people on. That's how good it is. And yeah, it's, it's an adult, right? It's not a Disney movie. It's not a, I love that Amazon gave him the reins and I love that it's something where they didn't make them hold back. It is violent. It is, it is all that terrible stuff, but it's in such a fun, funny, and almost like respectful of society way. I, and if that makes any sense, yeah, no, total five. I watched it again last week and I will do so again in the future. Love it. Alec. Bring us home, buddy. All right. So I only have one rule on the podcast, and that is I can only give something a five if I can watch it with my grandma. And I'm going to take my rule and I'm going to break it. I love it. For historical purposes, write it down, JJ. I love I'm breaking it. my one rule and I'm giving this a five because it is phenomenal. I binge watched it in one afternoon as soon as I'd heard about it. Then I've watched it five more times since, and that's only been in a, about, what, a month and a half? Yeah. Now I got to go back and watch it again because I didn't know Matt Mercer put himself in every single episode, so I got to <laughs> go back and find all that. But it's a five for me. Write it down in the history books. First five of my tenure on What's Our Verdict goes to The Legend of Vox Machina. Perfection. I bet your grandma would like it. <laughs> <laughs> she'd laugh. Even if she, she can't said hear the she TV, did, she can't see it, so she'd probably giggle. like it. It's <laughs> like, why is that little man sleeping with that green woman? <laughs> well, there you have it. Legend of Vox Machina. First five from Alec. Fives across the board. Go check this show out. If you haven't already seen it, it's worth a watch. Just lots of fun. Lots of 
rich backstory that you can pick up from and maybe, you know, pick up a new hobby, something to watch. That's I know Casey and I, every Thursday night, eight o'clock our time, Twitch is on so we can watch a live stream of a bunch of nerdy ass voice actors playing Dungeons and Dragons. And it's just raw entertainment for us. Like even the episodes we don't enjoy is still fun as fuck. It's better than most great television we watch these days is a shitty episode of Critical Role. So love it. So glad we were able to do this. Can't wait for season two. Dragons, dragons, and more dragons. It's going to be entertaining. With that, again, go to podchaser.com. Give us a review. We will reply. Get those donations out to the Chefs for Ukraine for reviews for good for Podchaser. Doesn't cost you a thing, but it helps a great cause. So go do that. And it helps grow the podcast, which we appreciate. So go check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all at What's Our Verdict. Leave us a comment. Tell us what you thought about this one. Our next TVs will be on Tuesday. We're going to do the second episode of Moon Knight. Moon Knight. So here on out, every week we'll be doing Moon Knight. We'll probably find some places to do some extra episodes for TV, but glad to be back in the swing of things for TV. Can't wait for some more fun stuff. It's been a ride. With that, appreciate you tuning in. Catch you on the next one.